We are back on the official Sasta podcast with me, Harry Stebbings. You can find me on Instagram at hstebbings1996. And I'm so excited for the show today as we're totally mixing it up with a different style. So today we have Jason Lemkin breaking down one by one the secrets to success in all things sales and marketing. When to hire your first sales rep, how much to pay your sales team, when's a stretch VP a stretch too far, and how much to spend on acquiring customers, and much, much more. It's a very special one, and I'd love to hear your thoughts. Again, I'm on Instagram at hstebbings. 1996 and Jason Lemkin is on Twitter at Jason LK. Plus, if you've not had the chance to check out the latest incredible work from Team Sasta, then it's a must. Many CEOs have read Sasta's content and wondered how they can train their teams on Sasta's best practices. Well, Sasta Pro now solves this problem. Sign up today at sastapro.com forward slash podcast and let Sasta train your team for you automatically, each week sending your team a highly actionable lesson meant to help you grow faster and drive discussions on how to improve. Again, that's Sasta Pro forward slash podcast. But before we dive into the show today, let me tell you about Full Contact, the largest cloud-based identity resolution and insights platform for professionals, teams, and businesses who want to master their contacts and create authentic connections, allowing you to merge contact information across your address books into a single source of truth while automatically identifying and merging duplicate contacts. They also keep all your contacts up to date with public data, including photos, jobs, and social profiles, and keep them organized synchronized and up-to-date and safe, able to scan business cards and automatically capture signatures from Gmail. These and many more features have made Full Contact an essential app for people-focused professionals, including many VCs. And to download this app, simply check out Full Contact on the Apple App Store, Google Play Store, or online at fullcontact.com. And speaking of awesome products you need in your life, thanks to my friends at WePay, let me introduce to you another very cool player in SaaS, Swimtopia. Swimtopia applies SaaS platform benefits to the surprisingly complex business of managing swim teams. From summer rec leagues to competitive high school teams, Swimtopia's all-in-one solution makes running a swim team easier for administrators, coaches, and parents. And you can learn more at swimtopia.com. And to learn how you can aim for gold medal revenues with integrated payments, like Swimtopia did, visit wepay.com forward slash Sasta. WePay's got this incredible cheat sheet on how to get started with platform payments. Again, that's wepay.com forward slash Sasta. However, that's quite enough from me, so I'm now very excited to hand over to the one and only Jason Lemkin, founder at Sasta. Good. That's perfect. Okay, I think we're warmed up. So Jason is going to kick us off today with when is the right time to hire your first sales rep? been thinking a lot on why a lot of the first sales reps with startups I work with don't pan out. Uh, there's different ways you can, different vectors you can look at for the first sales rep. The main expertise, experience in SaaS, all that matters. But I think the most important thing I've learned is that the first sales rep has to be low maintenance and high output. Uh, Most sales reps from bigger companies get a ton of help. They have sales operations. They have a director of a sales, a VP of sales. Someone makes collateral for them. Someone sets up sales source for them. If your first one or two sales reps can't figure it out on their own, at least in the beginning, with a little bit of help from you, don't hire them, no matter how great their LinkedIn uh, looks and feels. Apologies for the audio quality there. Sometimes these are recorded in the car. What can I say? Jason never stops. But next, we're moving on to variable comp and how to tie bonuses to your next goals. One of the things I've been thinking a lot lately is next generation variable comp. How do you get bonuses uh, tied to company goals? Because when you get it right, I've find it very powerful in SaaS companies to hit those metrics. Uh, But when you get it wrong, you can absolutely disalign interests because folks will only focus on 
what they get the variable comp from, even if it's a relatively small amount. And customer success is maybe one of the most interesting areas to iterate here on. When I built my own customer success team, I didn't know what I was doing, but quickly I found that the best leaders here really could move the needle on upsell and retention. They could make a huge difference. And when they did, I wanted to make sure they got paid out. So I experimented with different variable comp models from one-off to annual goals. And I found I loved most of all reaching for improvements. If we increase net retention and we decrease churn, uh, provide material comp to customer success around 20% of their salary. And then I started speaking about this probably four or five years ago. And I found most customer success leaders and professionals did not have variable comp. And even more interestingly, two of my favorite leaders in the space were opposed to it. They felt it disaligned their team. They wanted their team just focused on customer happiness and thought bonuses for revenue goals for customer success were bad. Interestingly, fast forward a couple months ago, both of these customer success leaders are in new VP roles, and now they love variable comp for customer success. Uh, They have come around and they've realized that it does align interests. So uh, it's easy to get this wrong, but what I love is measuring things, segmenting retention and segmenting churn, say between small, medium, and large customers, figuring out how you're doing, and then set an annual goal for improving it. Drive up revenue retention from your medium-sized customers from 105 to 110%, from enterprise from 110 to 120, whatever it is, and then pay out your customer success team when they hit it. I find it works like magic. God, I have to say, I'm so enjoying listening to this. But next we have, when is a stretch VP a stretch too far? Lately, I've been thinking a lot about how to make really stretch VPs more successful because more and more founders are hiring not just stretch VPs, but folks that are really a far stretch to be a VP, even at an early stage startup. But let's step back for a minute. Most of us are going to have to hire a stretch VP because when you go to hire your first VP of sales or marketing or product, you're going to have two choices. Do you want to hire someone that's an up-and-comer, a a manager or a director, or do you want to hire someone with the perfect LinkedIn? And if you go to hire someone with the perfect LinkedIn, they're probably either they didn't do it, someone else did it, but they got the title, or they're just burnt out or washed up. It's almost impossible, unless you're the hottest startup on the planet, to lure that perfect VP from another successful startup to your startup. It's not going to happen. So your best choice is a stretch VP. And generally, my, my line that I like to draw is they've done at least some of it before. For a stretch VP of sales, they've hired at least two sales reps that have hit quota. For a VP of product, they've at least actually put a product into production. Maybe not every single product at a company, not the entire product line, but they've at least taken a core set of features, a core portion of a product, and they've owned put it into production. With marketing, it's have they owned a number? Have they owned a lead commit, an opportunity commit, or something? Some part of the demand gen funnel, even if not all of it. If they have owned some of that, you can take the risk they've done more, but if they've done none of it, it's too risky. But some of you are still going to take even more risk. And what's my number one learning? It's help them get a mentor. When you hire a stretch, stretch VP, either give them a budget for options and cash or and let them go find a mentor or you go find it for them. But we all need these mentors. And the more of a stretch we are, the more we can benefit from a great one helping us. So when you hire that stretch VP, budget 10% of her salary and her options for someone to help her. And staying on the theme of mentorship, let's deep dive on that a little more particularly. One important theme we touched on the other day was mentorship for your up-and-comers. In particular, I just want to spend a second talking about an idea I brought up, which is to have an explicit mentorship budget for all your VPs, especially your stretch VPs. And here's my newish rule, which is budget 10%. Budget 10% of what you're going to pay for the first year's salary and for equity for each VP you hire. You give 20% to a recruiter just to find that candidate. What about keeping that candidate? What about 
making sure they can do something great? What about finding someone who especially can help your stretch VP of sales, marketing, engineering, product do better? That's one of the best investments you can make. So where do you find these mentors? Two quick ideas. One, tell them they have this budget and ask them to go find the person. Probably 50% of the time, they'll find their own boss or maybe their old peer who then went to another great role and became a VP or better there. But oftentimes, they'll know the best person they've ever worked with and want them to use their mentoring budget. That's number one idea. Number two idea is you go find it for them. You go find the best VPs you know in the entire ecosystem and offer them a few shares and a few nickels to help mentor your team. That's my idea number two. And idea number three, if you don't have either of those, use a service like Plato HQ has amazing VPs of engineering from amazing companies from Lyft to Uber to Twilio to Twitch that can help mentor your team for a few nickels per month or find another service. But one way or the other, go find some third party to make it happen. But whatever it is, make sure you have the budget and make sure your VPs, especially your stretch VPs, know it's there for them to help them. And now from mentorship to marketing and how marketing really needs to own a number. We've talked a ton on Saster about over the years is how marketing needs to own a number. Marketing needs to have a lead commit or an opportunity commit or some sort of number in the pipeline, or you're just not going to get the leads and customers from marketing that you want. So we've talked a lot about that. And I think a lot of folks have learned that lesson. And two, we've learned that generally speaking, when you go out to hire your first head of marketing, your VP of marketing, if she or he hasn't owned a number in their last job, it's pretty unlikely they're going to be able to pull it off at your company. So look for someone in their last job, whether it was a marketing manager, director, or VP that owns some sort of commitment in the pipeline, owned a lead commit, an opportunity commit, even a revenue commit, uh, hire someone like that that you believe in and things will go well for you. And I think the next subtle evolution of that to get right is not just that they owned a number, but that there's parallelism. And this is what I see a lot of startups get wrong. Marketing does own up. They do own a number. We're going to generate this this many opportunities, this many leads, this much pipeline this month or this quarter, but the timeline doesn't sync up with sales. If you want sales to grow X percent each month, marketing needs to grow X percent each month. If you want sales to grow this much each quarter, et cetera, et cetera. So make sure that not only do you have a number for marketing, but that its cadence matches the same cadence as sales. If you have monthly commits in sales, have monthly commits in marketing, make sure everyone reports on it and everyone knows how we're doing. If they don't sync up, you're not going to achieve the goals that you want to achieve. And then the big subsequent question, once you have your number for marketing, how much should you spend on acquiring your customers? You know, with most of the startups I work with, probably the biggest phase transition they have is when they start to actually spend anything to acquire customers. Usually those first 10, 20 customers, you spend almost nothing, at least directly to get them. You leverage relationships, you get put up on TechCrunch or Product Hunt, you hustle, you do whatever it takes, but usually the customer acquisition cost, the direct one is zero. But then it gets time to spend a few nickels, especially when you hire your first head of marketing. And that's sometimes where tension comes up. How much I spend? And you'll read a lot on the internet about CACs and all this stuff, but let me boil it down to a simple rule. When you spend money on marketing, just try to make a dollar for every dollar you spend. And you'll think, that's not enough. I got to pay a sales guy. I got to pay rent. How is a dollar to get a dollar back enough? Uh, That may make my so-called CAC extend far beyond 12 months. But here's the thing. You've got to think of it on a blended basis. First of all, some of your customers you're going to get for no cost. They're going to find you through SEO, uh, through 
press, through whatever. They're going to find you through referral networks. So you have to think about it all in what it costs to acquire a customer. A second, remember, these are customers for life. So hopefully these early ones will last a long time and you'll get that viral referral in the second order revenue running. And third, remember, if you don't close that customer, your, your competitor is going to. Um, so you really want to get as many points on the board as possible. Now, rough and tough, for every customer you pay to acquire in the early days, you're going to get another one for free anyway. So your blended marketing cost is going to be much lower than it sounds. So when you hire that first marketer, just ask her or him to make every program they do pay for itself, to make a dollar back in the first year for every dollar he or she spends on marketing, you'll work out okay. It'll help with trade shows. It'll help with paid content and paid programs. Um, you'll make more money. You'll grow faster, and your life will be more stressful if you ask marketing to get you dollar for dollar, at least at least in the early days. And then we're going to finish today on a slightly more meta. Is domain expertise overrated in SaaS? So I've been thinking a lot lately about exceptions to the rule that domain expertise is overrated. Uh, now, it's still a rule. A mistake that almost all of us make is we hire a VP of sales, a VP of marketing, senior sales professionals because they have such great experience in our industry. That rarely pans out for a number of reasons. First of all, at some point, you're going to have to be able to get your team up to speed on the nuances of your industry very quickly in a matter of weeks. You've got to train people at some point, even if you don't do it in the beginning or you will never, ever scale. Secondly, typically what's more important is to have skills at a certain ACV. It's more important to know how to sell marketing support and ship products at 20K a year or 100K a year, 200K a year that at a much different price point in your industry. Um, understanding how to manage uh, the low-end version of GitHub versus a very high-end version of uh, Datadog, they're probably actually quite uh, dissimilar um, in terms of the actual sales and marketing experience you need. So we all over-index on domain expertise uh, because we just want to do better. So don't do it. And if the only reason you shouldn't do it is because you will be blind to the other risk factors. You'll be blind to they're not actually that good at sales or that they didn't actually have a last a lead commit at their last company. So, so almost rule it out, but not entirely. A few couple of exceptions. First of all, in the early days, if your product is technical or nuanced or complicated to sell, a lot of reps will just struggle. They'll struggle to sell to VPs of engineering, to sell to VPs of compliance, to sell to power. And you need someone that can sell to power. And you don't need domain expertise, but sometimes it helps. Sometimes it's a great hack to do it. And a second great exception is this happens to most of us, especially in more complicated industries, is one of our customers wants to join us. And I don't think that works in sales or marketing or product, but it can work in an early customer success role when customer sex is a generalist role. So if one of your biggest champions at your customers ends up wanting to join you, I say do it once. What an individual, and we would love to hear your feedback on the episode today and the new format, which we will be trialing and testing and mixing up with the standard interviews that you've heard before. We'd love to hear your thoughts, and you can send them to me on Instagram at hdebbings1996. Likewise, you can find Jason on Twitter at JasonLK. And if you haven't checked out Sasta Pro, then that really is a must. You can find it on Sasta Pro forward slash podcast. It'd be great to see you there. But before we leave you today, let me tell you about Full Contact, the largest cloud-based identity resolution and insights platform for professionals, teams, and businesses who want to master their contacts and create authentic connections, allowing you to merge contact information across your address books into a single source of truth while automatically identifying and merging duplicate contacts. They also keep all your contacts up to date with public data, including photos, jobs, and social profiles, and keep them organized, synchronized, and up to date and safe, able to scan business cards and automatically capture signatures from Gmail. These and many more features have made full contact an essential 
official app for people-focused professionals, including many VCs. And to download this app, simply check out Full Contact on the Apple App Store, Google Play Store, or online at fullcontact.com. And speaking of awesome products you need in your life, thanks to my friends at WePay, let me introduce to you another very cool player in SaaS, Swimtopia. Swimtopia applies SaaS platform benefits to the surprisingly complex business of managing swim teams. From summer rec leagues to competitive high school teams, Swimtopia's all-in-one solution makes running a swim team easier for administrators, coaches, and parents. And you can learn more at swimtopia.com. And to learn how you can aim for gold medal revenues with integrated payments, like Swimtopia did, visit wepay.com. Who knows, work with WePay and you can even be featured here in a future profile. Start at wepay.com forward slash Sasta. Now, as always, we so appreciate all your support and cannot wait to bring you next week's episode.